Well, good evening, collective. If you are feeling good, can I get a mm-hmm? No, no, we together. This is going to be good. All right. At some point in all of our lives, we've gotten and asked this question or searched for the answers to this question, and that is, what do you want to be known for? Right? What do you want to be known for? And as you progress through your life, you know this changes. But I want you to legit think of that answer for you right now. What do you want to be known for? Because as a kid, right, for me, what I wanted to be known for was, was more of these dreams, like what I was going to become. You know, for a while I was a football player. For a while I was a race car driver. And you get to these points where if it's anything in the athletic world, you look at my genetic makeup, God didn't put that in my plan, okay? He didn't, he didn't craft me for that. But I remember getting to middle school. When I was in middle school, I wanted to be known not for what I was going to be, but for, like, who I was. Like, the relationships that I had. What friends groups were I a part of? What girlfriends did I have? What did teachers think of me? What did other, what did my parents and my friends think of me? I was concerned with how I was perceived. Then when I get to high school, some of us get this way. Like, I wanted to be known for something that nobody else is known for. I, I wanted to be different. And then I found Jesus. And all of a sudden, I had something I wanted to be known for. I was like, I want to be known as somebody who displays Jesus. And as you go through college, you get into careers, get married, have kids, all these things that you want to be known for, they start to change. They start to develop as you develop throughout your life. But when you look at these things, we don't always, we aren't always known by what we want to be known for. For Here's a really easy example. Is anybody aware of what their bio says on social media? Yeah, I, I thought, I, I had no idea what mine said, so I looked it up. It was inaccurate. I, I updated it. Um, but a lot of your bios, I assume, some of y'all might have a little Bible verse, where you go to school, what you do, who, what you belong to, right? A lot of times your bio displays what you want to be known for. Now, a lot of y'all, how many of y'all got a Bible verse, cross emoji, something in a bio in the social media world? Wow, I'm glad you're at church because very few hands are raised here. But when you get to your bio, that, that's something that displays who you want to be. But I would, if you're anything like me, what comes across your news feed, right, or the things that you may, may view don't always endorse what your bio says about you or what you say or what you send or what you comment don't always display the character of what you want to be known for. And every time you ask this question, of what do I want to be known for, it has to be followed with a question that, that tests the integrity, which is, what are you known for? What, when people look at you, what are you truly known for? And you can answer the question of what you want to be known for. You're about the only one who can answer what you want to be known for. But you cannot answer what you are known for. That's something that other people have to answer for you. And that can be a scary moment. Well, you have to get real. 
And tonight, I'm, there's a lot of different active steps I'm going to ask you to take. And we're going to start right there with maybe the most uncomfortable question you can ask. All right. So if you came with somebody tonight, you're sitting with a group of people that you know, I'm going to give you a minute or so to ask that question. What am I known for? If this is your first time, listen, this, you don't got to do this. All right. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. I rather I want you to spend your time just getting to know somebody around you. Get, tell them your name. Get to know their name. But, hey, right now, do it right now. What are you known for? This isn't where you tear somebody down, guys. You lift them up. All right, lift them up. Don't, don't just take a low uppercut if you don't have to. I ask somebody around, what am I known for? Hey, this is good. 30 more seconds. All right, all right, this is a good sign. This is a good sign. This means that you are enjoying what you hear. Uh, if some of y'all came to a moment of conviction, we'll have time for that later. Uh, but some of y'all, you, you, you found some j enjoyment out of that. I mean, it is honestly, from this perspective, it's great to hear room laughing. So I wasn't anticipating that. It was wonderful. Uh, but through this series, and we're going to come back to that, but through this series... We've been talking about this concept, this idea of for the good. And first week, Matt explained that God is good. Everything that he created is good. Everything he intended is good. And he has always been good. He will always be good. And last week, John set up this idea that God works for the good of those who love him, which means that God works for the good of you. And tonight, we're going to kind of come to the culmination of this idea of for the good and what it means for us. And what we're going to do is we're going to champion your intimate relationship with God and partner it with an active relationship with God. Because check this out. An intimate personal relationship with God, something that you will always hear at this church and you always, and, and it's something that will always be true, right? You need an intimate personal relationship with God. And that should lead to a personally active faith. I'm going to say it again, right? An intimate personal relationship with God should lead to a personally active faith. And here's where we find this, right? Romans 8, 28, we've been at this whole series. So you can look at the screen, or if somebody around you is wearing one of the new collective hoodies, just ask to read the back of it, okay? Because this is what's on there. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called 
according to his purpose. So when we come into relationship with God, first thing we understand is that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, which means God works for the good of you. But we also see that we have been called according to his purpose. And what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to be called to God's purpose? And if you keep reading in Romans, you're going to find in a few chapters, it says that God's will or God's plan or God's purpose, whatever word you want to use to describe it, is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. And if God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect, I, this, that's the exact moment I know that it's not my plan. That God's plan is not my plan because I am not always good. I am in even less pleasing, and rarely do I do anything that is perfect. And so if we're looking at what God's plan is, it's something that only belongs to him. Right, because it is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. And having a relationship with God doesn't mean that we invite God to come walk the life that we've always walked. It doesn't mean they say, hey, God, why don't you come walk with me? Why don't you come join my path and show me what I need to do? It isn't asking God to come fit inside of your schedule. Right, having a relationship with God means that you have to step out of the life that you've always lived. It means that you aren't asking God to step into your schedule, but you are stepping into his schedule. Because if God was stepping into your schedule, he's limited. Because your schedule can only accomplish so much. But when you step out of your schedule and you step into God's schedule, that's when there aren't any limits. That's when you start to discover the potential that God has placed in front of you. And you get this idea, all right, so we know God's plan is good. We know it's perfect. We know it's pleasing. We know that God says, hey, if you walk with me, you've been called to this plan, but, but how do we accomplish this plan? And when Jesus was on earth, he took all of these ideas and he boiled it down to a really simple statement. And if you've been around church, you've heard this statement over and over again. You probably followed this rule when you were in school. All right, it's, it's the greatest commandment. And this is what Jesus said. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so he brings that, he said, you need to love the Lord your God with everything that you are. With all of your strength, with all of your feelings, with all of your thoughts, anything that you can do, you need to love the Lord your God with it. But he says, hey, the second's equally as important. You need to love your neighbor. And so Jesus took thousands of years of teaching, thousands of years of different relationship of rules and regulations, and he boiled it down and simplified it to this, this concept. And when you look at the verse broken down, it's love God and love people. 
It's as simple as that. When you say, when you follow the instructions of the man who designed everything, Jesus, how do we walk with you? What's the one rule we need to follow? Love God and love people. That's what Jesus spoke. And loving God, that's the intimate part of our relationship. Loving the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's where you start to have that intimate, personal relationship with God. When you start to love people, that's where you start to become active in your faith. That's where the personal action and the steps that you take in your faith start to develop. Because if God works for the good of you, you should work for the good of others. Right, that's the entire heartbeat behind this series. That God works for the good of you, and you should work for the good of others. Because that's how we discover God's plan. That is how we walk with God. That's how we start to discover what he truly has in front of us. Now, if you're like me, you can be a, a critical thinker. You can be cynical, right? And he's like, oh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And here's what you need to know. You can't improve God's will, right? There's no making him better, right? He's God. We already discussed that he's good and that he's perfect and that his plans are good and they are perfect, so we can't improve God's will. We can't say, hold on, if you do it my way, it's actually going to get a little bit better. Right? That's not how this works. Right? Part of Christian faith is loving God and loving people. And if we, get, if we stop at loving God, we are missing an entire massive piece to God's picture and what he wants for our life. Because when, when Jesus explained, he said the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. And if we get to a spot where, you know what, I love God, but I really don't love people all the time. You have to question how much you really love God. That's what that means. When there's no really change in it, when you see like, hey, this is the most... The, this huge, massive, complex thought in a very simple phrase. If you don't love people, maybe your relationship with God isn't as intimate and personal as you want it to be or that you think that it is. Because if you truly love God, you have to love people. And I want you to imagine God's plan. Right, imagine God's plan as a big, juicy burger. I know I caught some of y'all's attention. Some of y'all fell asleep. You heard food. You said, I'm in, right? You perked up. I want you to, now, the come with me, come with me, we'll get there. I want you to imagine it as a burger. Like last week, Wednesday, I left for a trip. I went out north. I mean, out west. Uh, I didn't go north. Got directionally challenged. Uh, I went out west, and I got off the airplane. We hit a few stores, and the first dinner we had was In-N-Out. Is anybody a fan of In-N-Out? Okay, a few of y'all got excitement, like, yes, 
that was good. I went up, I ordered that thing animal style, got a milkshake with it, went hard on it, and I enjoyed it thoroughly because I love a good burger. But it messed me up for like two days. I, I was crapping everywhere. Uh, but then we got to our destination, was going by, and then I drove by this place. It was called Big Daddy's Burgers. I was like, that sounds nice. Sounds real nice. And it got me thinking, maybe God's plan is as simple as explaining something like a burger. So go with me. And I understand some of y'all don't do meat. I got to acknowledge you in the room. Some of y'all don't do meat, and it's for good reason. I respect you for that. But we different, all right? We're very different. I have, a, I have a rule when it comes to food, especially when it comes to meals. If it don't have meat, it ain't a meal, all right? That's it. If it don't have meat, at that point, it simply becomes a snack. It is. It's just a snack. So, for instance, some may argue, what about a peanut butter and jelly? If you had a hamburger and a peanut butter jelly sitting in front of you, which one are you going to choose? The hamburger. Like, peanut butter and jelly is like resort when you don't want to leave your house or y- you don't have money to buy food, which s- that's a lot of you right now. All right, let's be honest. All right, peanut butter and jelly gets you through the day. But if you don't have meat, it's simply a snack. All right, that's just, that's just a rule I live by. But here it is, loving God. When you come to loving God, that's, that's the meat. That's the substance of the sandwich, the value of the sandwich. That's where the sandwich gets its name. It's in the meat. Now, loving people, that's the bun, right? That's the vessel. That's what carries the good news. That's what delivers the message. So loving God, that, that's the substance. Loving people, that's what carries the good news. Now, if you only love God and do not love people, you simply got a plate of meatloaf. And unless it's grandma's meatloaf, I, who likes meatloaf? All right, so was it your grandma's meatloaf you like? See, look, I disclaimed that. All right, uh, if you love people, yet you neglect loving God, you got to couple pieces of bread. You got some upscale toast, right? It's something when it comes to meat in a bun, it works together. The same is true when it comes to following God, right? You have to love God and love people unless you are missing the essential foundation of Christian faith, just as you are missing the essential foundation of a burger. Now, hear me. I haven't even got to the toppings, all right? Some of y'all, you like, I want my burger plain. You just get meat, bread. That's okay. That's you, all right? Th- your toppings reflect your style, right? There are going to be other people who like a bland burger, and there are going to be other people that join you, right? They're going to they're gonna join you. They're going to follow you. Now, some of y'all like to load that baby up. Talking grilled onions, barbecue sauce, onion rings. Ketchup, pickle, mustard, you know, jalapenos. Like, in your toppings, they reflect your style. And everybody comes out with something that's a little bit different. And when it comes to the good news, when it comes to the Christian faith, when you add your style, 
when you add the gifts God's put in you, when you start to deliver the message of God by loving people, that's where the toppings complement everything else. That's where it starts to become something of you and where God starts to use you in that. Now, I understand this might be a weird concept, and I was probably hungry when I wrote this message. But it explains something very simple. That God has a plan for you. He has something in front of you. But if he works for the good of you, you cannot just, you cannot neglect working for the good of others. Because you miss the essential foundation of Christian faith. You miss it. When you look around this room, right, all of us are from different circles. We're from different cities. We're from different environments, different families. But we are all supposed to carry the same message. And that is the message of Jesus. And this message is the greatest news the world has ever heard. It's the greatest news the world will ever hear. It's a message of hope. It is a message of salvation. It is a message of redemption. It is a message of acceptance. And when you look at our world, it's in need of the news of Jesus more than it has ever been in need of Jesus. And hear me. God's plan for you are good. His plans for you are pleasing, and his plans for you are perfect. But in order to walk with God, you have to love God and love people. Because there's somebody in your life, hear me, there's somebody in your life that may only hear the good news through you. You are the one connection that they need. You are the one that can carry the news of Jesus. You are the one who can deliver life-changing truth like nobody else. Because you go to back to different places. You go back and you're surrounded with different people. And Jesus has a plan for you. Right? He wants you to live for the good. He wants you to work for the good of others. And at the beginning of this message, I asked you two questions. What do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? And I often find, as Christians, the gap between those two answers is where our belief ends. And here's what I mean. We can believe in God really easily, believe that God exists, believe that he is real, believe that there was a man named Jesus that walked this earth that lived, died, and rose from the dead. We can believe in God, but at some point, our belief stops because we actually stop believing God, that he really has something for us. Or maybe we don't believe that he can really reach me. 
or we don't believe that his way is really the best way. Or maybe it goes a little bit heavier. And you, you've come to the point where you don't believe that God can forgive you. He knows you. He knows you more than you know yourself. If you keep reading Romans 8, 29 and 30, it says that he foreknew you, yet he still chose you. So here's what that means. All that weight you carry, all those burdens you wrestle with, he knows them, and he still chose you. And some of you, you just stop believing that he could use you, that he could use you to change somebody else, that he could use you to change the world, even if it's just one life. Or maybe you stop believing that people will listen. Who would want to hear it from me? And if you love God and you love people, hear me, you can't go wrong. You can't find yourself in a wrong place. A lot of times we try so hard to live life by our standards. And we look at our life and we say we want things to change. We want people around us to change. But I think I know the best way. And all of a sudden we start to get elevated in our story. Our plans start to get elevated above God's plans. And hear me. When you love God and you love people and you remove yourself from the equation, there's a weight that suddenly isn't there in life. When you're not constantly fighting for your life to get better, God will take it much further than you ever imagined. Because God says, love me and love others. And every week before collective, we come into this room, a few of us, and we pray for people by name. We don't necessarily pray for these people to come to collective. We pray that God will show up in their life somewhere, somehow. That God will reveal himself. Or that somebody will display God in front of them. We pray for specific names. Right? We pray for Jason. We pray for Jaden. We pray for Avery. We pray for Sammy. We pray that God will show himself. That he will be there. And tonight, I know a lot of times we get to loving God and we stop at the step of loving people. So I'm going to ask you just to do a very simple task. And that's to find a group around you, huddle up with a few. I want you to pray for somebody that's not in this room by name. And all of you probably have a name that comes to your head. And this name, maybe that's the person God's asking you to love.
Maybe that's the person that God is asking you to fight for. Maybe that's the person that can only hear the good news through you. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. I want you to find a group around you. And I'm going to ask you to spin few, several, the entire worship set, however long it takes, praying for that name in your head. Praying that God shows up somewhere, somehow, and perhaps through you. You guys can go ahead and do that now. When worship starts, that doesn't mean you have to stop praying. Pray as long as God is placing it on your heart.